Hello, I'm Dr. Tony Malioko, the cancer informant. Today's episode will be about ovarian cancer. While ovarian cancer is not particularly common, only one in 80 women might eventually get a diagnosis of ovarian cancer in her lifetime. It is a very serious cancer. In a large percentage of women, it can progress and become fatal. About one in 108 women will die of ovarian cancer. First of all, what is cancer? Uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar with cancer, cancer is a condition of the body where one of the cells in the body becomes unregulated, that it starts growing uncontrollably and grows disorganized tissue that results in a mass lesion or a growth that can invade and spread to other organs. When a cancer spreads to other organs, if it's a vital organ like the brain or the liver, the growth of the abnormal cells can cause dysfunction of that organ and lead to death. Cancer is all too common and up to half of people will eventually get cancer at some point in their lifetime. Now, ovarian cancer is a cancer of the ovary. However, the most common type of ovarian cancer called serous cancer may actually arise originally in the fallopian tube where it migrates out, where the cells are abnormal in the fallopian tube, where they may then fall out and actually grow in the ovary. So this was a mystery to investigators for a long time as to why ovarian cancer looks a lot like the lining of a fallopian tube when the normal ovary does not have any fallopian tube in it. So we've learned that there may be pre-malignant lesions that actually live in the fallopian tube, and that removing a fallopian tube may actually reduce the risk of ovarian cancer. Now, there are many types of ovarian cancer. They're divided into three main types. Um, one is called epithelial. So these are cancers that are of a certain type similar to serous cancers, but they can also be endometrioid and clear cell. We'll talk a little bit more about those different types. There can be a germ cell cancer. This is where one of the ovary germ cells or the egg cells actually become malignant and turn into a cancerous growth. And there can also have cancers of the supporting structures of the ovary, the so-called stroma. And these types of supporting structures are where hormones are often made. And these types of tumors and cancers may produce different types of hormones. Now, turning to the epithelial cancers or the lining cancers that are the most serious ones, the most common ones are serous cancer. And then we can also have another type called endometrioid and clear cell cancer. So these are some of the commoner types of ovarian cancer. The serous type originates in the fallopian tube. The endometrioid type may actually arise out of endometriosis. It's interesting that uh, a woman who has endometriosis may actually have risk of ovarian cancer. Now, if we look at what are the major risk factors for ovarian cancer? By far, the largest risk factor for ovarian cancer is genetics. Inheriting a defective gene from one's parents that's associated with cancer and ovarian cancer in particular uh, provides dramatically increased risk for women that have such a gene. The commonest genes are BRCA1 and BRCA2. Now these genes, when in their parents, they can cause cancers such as breast, ovarian, and in men, prostate cancer. In addition, BRCA1 genes may also cause colon and other types of cancer as well. If there's a strong history of cancer in the family, and particularly of ovarian or breast cancer, um, the children in those families may have a significantly increased risk of developing cancer, particularly ovarian cancer in their lifetime. Other risk factors for ovarian cancer include obesity, uh, diabetes, and excessive exposure to hormones. Nulliparity, 
uh, is also a risk factor. And interestingly, the use of oral contraceptives may actually dramatically decrease the risk of ovarian cancer over the course of a lifetime. Now, one of the problems with ovarian cancer is that it's often detected late. What are the symptoms? Ovarian cancer may have a variety of symptoms that are nonspecific. For example, abdominal swelling or alterations to bowel habits or nausea and vomiting, cramping, etc. So there may be nonspecific findings. There may also be signs of menstrual cycle disturbance or infertility. So some of these signs may be indicative of an underlying ovarian cancer. Now, remember, there can also be a lot of benign lesions that affect the ovary too. Like, for example, cysts are actually quite common in the ovary, and they can grow to enormous sizes. I've seen ovaries with cysts as large as beach balls, where they've grown extremely large. These are balloon-like cysts that are actually benign and filled with clear fluid as they grow over time. These are easily removed and have no risk of turning malignant. Now, how is ovarian cancer typically diagnosed? Well, generally, to have a definitive diagnosis, um, one needs a biopsy. So usually this is done surgically, where if there's a suspicion of an ovarian lesion, a gynecologist will open the abdomen, either laparoscopically or with an open incision, to examine the ovaries and remove any abnormal lesions. Sometimes a frozen section is done. This is where a little piece of tissue is taken out and sent to pathology where it's examined. And a pathologist can make a rapid diagnosis in a minute or two to tell the surgeon that this is indeed a cancer and that they should proceed with an operation. Or if the cancer is spread too far that they should stop at that point and consider some other type of treatment. The pathologist is clearly critical to making a diagnosis of cancer. So when the tissue is removed, it's sent to pathology. The pathologist will examine the tissue and determine, uh, is it cancer and what type of cancer it is? Is it a serious cancer? Is it a germline? Is it some other type of cancer that might be present in the ovary? Now, the ovary can also be prone to metastatic disease, meaning cancers from other sites can travel to the ovary and mimic a primary ovarian cancer. The common tumors that can spread to the ovary include those of the stomach, tumors of the appendix. Breast cancer often likes to travel to the ovary, and even some tumors like melanoma may sometimes go and involve the ovary. So a pathologist needs to be careful that when they're examining an ovary that has cancer, that they need to consider the cancer could have actually spread from another organ to involve the ovary. Now, what is the treatment for ovarian cancer? Well, typically the first treatment will be surgery and debulking. So normally the surgeon will remove as much of the cancer as they can, and it's important they try to get every last bit of it because the risk of recurrence is proportional to how much cancer is left behind. So even if a little bit of cancer is left behind, that can come back quite quickly to cause a recurrence. Now, ovarian cancer can be particularly problematic because it spreads around the peritoneum. So you can get lots of little deposits of ovarian cancer on the various organs, on the surface of the intestines, on the surface of the stomach, and the walls of the abdomen, even on the surface of the liver and the diaphragm, etc. So the surgeon will carefully identify and remove all of these pieces of cancer. Now, if it's deemed that there's too much cancer that the surgeon can't do, they may consider doing something called neoadjuvant treatment. In this instance, the patient will be treated usually with uh, chemotherapy, a platinum-containing chemotherapy, to shrink as much of the tumor as possible so that when the surgeon can then open the patient again, uh, there'll be a much less amount of cancer to be debulked and removed. Now, interestingly, 
Cancers that have inherited mutations in BRCA1 are particularly prone uh, to sensitive to cisplatinum treatment. So cancers that have a profound response to platinum, it's actually a clue that these cancers may be cancers that have inherited BRCA mutations. Once the tumor is removed, uh, molecular analysis is indicated. So it's always important to determine what types of mutations are present in the tumor and whether they're linked to treatment options, particularly whether they have microsatellite instability, as tumors that have this feature respond extremely well to immunotherapy with checkpoint inhibitors. Now, tumors can be sequenced to determine if they do have BRCA1 or 2 or similar alterations in it, or they have a condition called homologous recombination deficiency. And tumors that have these respond again well to platinum and to PARP inhibitors. Now, there's some novel treatments that are being uh, designed for ovarian cancer. Uh, the, these include targeted agents to alpha folate. And also there's some work being done with treatments such as vaccines and also CAR-T therapy against things like follicle stimulating hormone receptor. So there are definitely a lot of advances occurring in ovarian cancer discovery, diagnosis, and treatment research. Now, one thing that is very important for women with ovarian cancer is that really every woman who has a diagnosis of ovarian cancer should undergo genetic testing. There are at least 50 or more genes that are associated with risk of increased ovarian cancer and also other cancers such as colon cancer, breast cancer, and in men, prostate cancer. So having proper testing for these genes can be quite helpful to determine if the cancer is uh, being inherited in a family. This information is useful for children and first degree relatives. And also if the patient actually carries the gene, they might be able to modify their lifetime risk through behavior modifications, prophylactic surgery, and other approaches. Surgery such as oophorectomy, salpingectomy, and other mastectomy can dramatically decrease cancer risk in patients who inherit cancer-associated genes. Men who inherit a BRCA1 or BRCA2 gene are also at increased risk of prostate cancer and also colon and some other cancers as well. So it's quite useful to know if you do have one of these inherited genes that you can modify uh, your risk. Another thing to consider when I talk to patients who have cancer is always consider the opportunity to join a clinical trial. Clinical trials can be a real lifesaver. It's where innovative treatments are first made available to patients. Uh, by and large, trials are quite safe. They have to pass a lot of extremely stringent safety standards before they're approved, and they're continuously monitored. So if anything unusual happens during a trial, a trial will be paused or even shut down if there's any concern about the novel agents causing toxicity. Typically, a trial is designed where standard treatment is given to both arms and a new treatment is added to one of the arms. In addition, if the treatment is shown to be effective on the normal arm, um, the patients may switch over to the novel treatment on time of progression. So trials can be very helpful in bringing novel treatments uh, to patients. And also, generally, the pharma company will pay for enrollment on the trials so they are actually quite economical to participate in. That concludes today's discussion of ovarian cancer. In summary, ovarian cancer is not common, but is a significant cause of mortality and death in women. There are many different kinds of ovarian cancer, and it's important that the correct type be diagnosed, as there are different treatments for each type. The main treatment for the commonest type of ovarian cancer is surgical, with surgical debulking and removal of residual disease.
In addition, serous cancer is treated with chemotherapy. Their novel treatments include angiogenesis inhibitors and also investigations of PARP inhibitors. Novel treatments are also being developed that may involve CAR-T therapy and vaccines. The future is quite interesting in terms of emerging treatments for ovarian cancer. It's important to also know if you're at high risk of ovarian cancer, you can actually modify your risk through salpingo-oophorectomy, tubal ligation, ovarian resection, and lifestyle modifications. So thank you again for tuning in to the latest episode of The Cancer Informant. I'm Dr. Tony Malioko. Please visit our website to listen to other episodes of The Cancer Informant and also leave comments and questions that I can address in future episodes. Thank you again for listening. Have a wonderful day. Take care. Bye-bye.